Too Healthy and Happy, a program sponsored by the East Jamaica Conference of Seventh-day Adventists and aired right here on NCUFM. It's NCU 91.1, 91.3, and 91.5, only on your FM dial, of course. This is your program of information, inspiration, and, of course, education. And we have so much in store for you, so you can't afford to go anywhere. I'm Adise Jonas Murphy. We'll be right back. Thank you so very much for keeping it locked to NCUFM 91.1, 91.3, and 91.5 only on your FM dial. Again, the program is healthy and happy, and of course, sponsored by the Easter Maker Conference of Seventh Day Adventists. Now, I'm so delighted, I'm so happy, because we've been on a mental health series for the last, let's say, about three weeks. I remember week before last, we dealt with, you know, just general information regarding mental health and wellness. Last week, we dealt with emotional intelligence. Yes, remember that question? What is more important, IQ or EQ? (laughs) Well, um, I'm sure you have your own responses, but this week we get to focus on another critical aspect of mental health. And many of you know it as depression. You call it depression, but its correct term is major depression or major depressive disorder. And I'm so delighted to have Dr. Judith Leiber-Thomas, the Director of Child and Adolescent Mental Health at the Ministry of Health and Wellness. Dr. Judith Welcome to Healthy and Happy. Thank you so much. My pleasure to be here. <laughs> Thank you too. Dr. T, we're talking mental health and wellness. And I was just looking through the World Health Organization's website and I'm seeing that at a global level, over 300 million people, 300 million are estimated to suffer from depression, equivalent to about 4.4% of the world's population. This is a big deal. It may seem minuscule, but I'm sure when we take that figure and we put it in different settings, that figure will adjust according to the locale that we're talking about. But let's talk about depression in Jamaica. You know, we're going to be exploring the prevalence of it. But let's start with what's depression? What is it all about? Depression is a serious chronic medical illness like diabetes, hypertension, or arthritis. Mm -hmm. And it interferes with your social and physical functioning, just like many other chronic illnesses. As we said, it's by far the most common major psychiatric disease in Jamaica, in the world. Mm -hmm. The lifetime risk for major depressive disorder in community samples is about 10 to 25 percent for women hmm. and 5 to 12 percent for men. Wow. So it's, it's always higher in women. We're not sure why. <laughs> I was just about to ask. <laughs> Let me tell you some um, theories that have been proposed. Sure. One, it is felt that the presence of estrogen works negatively on serotonin, which is the hormone which allows us to not feel depressed. Mm hmm. Mm-hmm. So it's antagonistic to serotonin. Okay. It's also thought that more women suffer from like sexual abuse. Mm -hmm. They don't speak about it. And therefore they suffer in silence. And sometimes this is how it manifests itself Mm -hmm. in terms of presenting as a major depressive disorder. Mm -hmm. And thirdly, (laughs) it is felt also that women, we women tend to measure ourselves by our achievement in terms of, let's say, how well our family does, how well our children do. And sometimes that outcome is not so predictable. Whereas men 
measure themselves by, let's say, how well they did at work. Mm-hmm. Let's say you're a car salesman. You can say, oh, I sold 100 cars this week. Right. That's more predictable. Mm-hmm. And therefore, um, they tend to have a higher sense of, you know, themselves, mm-hmm. <laughs> self-esteem because of how they are measuring themselves. Hmm. I've heard the theory about estrogen working antagonistically with serotonin, but the other two are quite interesting. <laughs> but um, all right, so you say depression is it's a major health uh, condition that affects. But you know, a lot of times, doc, we use the term loosely. This medical term, very very loosely. Somebody may be feeling bouts of sadness, and I say, "Boy, I'm depressed." You know, um, you ask your friend, "How are you doing today?" Oh, oh, I'm just I'm depressed. You know, it's nonchalantly stated sometimes without the full magnitude and depth of understanding of the term itself. I want you now to express the difference between um, just regular sadness, bouts of sadness versus depression. What's the thin line between the two? So whenever I speak about it, Adis, I always call it Little D and big D. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. I like it. I'm teaching Zachary um, his alphabet. So, uh, yeah, that, that sticks right in. Go ahead. <laughs> right. So, little D is like if something happens and let's say you did a test, you're a student, you did as well as you thought you, you should have, mm-hmm. and you feel sad after. Mm. But within two to three hours, you go and you're hanging out with your friends or you go and play some football or something and your mood lifts. Mm-hmm. That's what I call little D. Okay. <laughs> it's not persistent. It doesn't persist from day to day. Mm-hmm. When you get into big D now, you have to have sadness, which is present for two weeks mm-hmm. um, straight. Hold on, hold on. So when it says straight, so every single minute of every day for that two-week period, I am sad. Yes, or you're depressed more often than you are not depressed mm-hmm. for those two weeks. So every day you, you have a, a, a good period of depression. I mean, I mean a significant <laughs> period of sadness. Yes, yes. yes. Feeling sad mm-hmm. for two weeks, right? Mm-hmm. That is one of the major um, criteria. And also, for two weeks straight, as we say in Jamaica, um, you don't enjoy anything that, something that you really used to enjoy. Mm-hmm. So if you used to enjoy football, you used to enjoy singing on the choir, you used to enjoy swimming, that doesn't give you any pleasure anymore. So those are like the two cardinal um, features mm-hmm. that we look for in Big D. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay, so there are other features <clears throat> And as I I always say this, that because depression and other psychiatric disorders, we don't have an instrument to measure, Mm -hmm. like how you'd have a spigmomanometer for blood pressure or Mm -hmm. a thermometer for temperature. Right. So what we have had to do is that we've got got all the the brilliant minds in psychiatry together, (laughs) and they devised what we call the psychiatric Bible. Mm. I hope that's not sacrilegious in a religious (laughs) setting. (laughs) And it's called the Diagnostic and Statistical um, Manual. Mm -hmm. And it outlines really what setting do you call something major depression as opposed to the fact that it's not. And the reason for doing this is that if we say we have 100 cases of major depression in Jamaica, Mm -hmm. and they say they have 100 cases in New Zealand, we want to know that we're 
saying the same thing. Mm. So, right. so that's why it's called the Bible, because the measurement, it's practically the same wherever you go. Right, mm -hmm. right. Mm -hmm. So as I was saying, the two kind of cardinal features, and in fact, we have in the public health sector, we're trying to initiate what we call a depression screening mm -hmm. for those patients who come in with any kind of chronic illness, like diabetes or hypertension. Mm -hmm. So just like how you would do test the urine, do the blood pressure, do the temperature when they come in, we would like them to do the screening. And what we do is that we would ask them one of the two questions. For the past two weeks, have you been sad more times than not? Mm. Straight. Mm -hmm. Then we ask them, for the past two weeks, have you stopped having any pleasure in what you would normally enjoy? Right. And, and then if we get a, a yes answer to any of those at these, we go on to ask the other questions. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. The other questions include, has your appetite changed? So, you know, some people eat more when they get depressed. Right. Some people eat less. Mm -hmm. Has your sleep changed? Some people can't sleep. Some people sleep more yes. <laughs> when they're depressed. Mm -hmm. Are you feeling not as good about yourself? Are you feeling that you're worthless? Mm -hmm. That, you know, everybody's better than you? Is your energy level down? Are you thinking more of like morbid things like suicide or just thinking that, boy, bad things going to happen to me and they'll mm -hmm. never, you know, things will never improve. So we ask all these other questions to make, to um, see exactly how depressed you are. Mm -hmm. Question now. Let us say I come in. I'm going to use myself as patient X. Patient X, a.k.a. Adis, walks in. Um, she has a chronic illness. So you're screening me now for um, potential depression. <laughs> and mm -hmm. all the red flags go off. You know, mm -hmm. sleeping pattern changes. Um, I'm eating more. Nothing entices me. You know, I'm, I, all the red flags are going off. What then happens? Okay. So we have to remember that Adis has both a physical illness and a medical illness going on. Let me say hypothetically, lest anybody may think. Go ahead, Doc. <laughs> <laughs> Just saying. Right. And remember, we in the Adventist yeah. Church look at the whole person. That is correct. So I would want to know, let's say I am a primary doctor. First, I'd want to know if your diabetes, let's say. Uh -huh. Diabetes, you had said, right? Yeah. Yes, yes. Your diabetes is under control. Okay. So let's say your diabetes is under control and you're still having these symptoms, then I would have to presume that you're possibly showing signs of a major depressive disorder. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Now, what we would like to see is that our primary care physicians be able to treat what we call the um, mild depression. Okay? Mm -hmm. So th those persons who only have, let's say, five, which is the absolute minimum um, number of criteria, five mm -hmm. criteria. So they would then they would then start them with some kind of counseling in terms of what they can do to treat mild depression. Because mild depression doesn't have to be treated by medication. If you change lifestyle and you also get psychotherapy, you can usually recover. So we'll give them advice about like um, exercise, mm -hmm. you know, eating well mm. um, and being getting involved in things that they enjoy, although they don't have the energy to do it. OK, yeah. But, but stick up in mm -hmm. there, Doc. Um, all right. So I don't know if I represent the average Jamaican, but the moment I hear psychotherapy, 
Like seriously, my mother. I mean, right. do, you, do you prefer counseling? I mean, <laughs> that sounds better. <laughs> and I'm sure that for many Jamaicans who are listening, you know, they, they would be more inclined. You know, it sounds a little softer and a little bit more manageable. But how do we dispel the notion that um, having this kind of uh, mental disorder or this major depressive disorder means that you're mad? Some people equate it to you just not being uh, sane. Right. You're quite right. And this is something that we've been fighting for many years at least. And programs like these are one way of trying to dispel the stigma. In addition, we at the ministry have also launched a de-stigmatization campaign. I don't mm -hmm. know if you've seen some of our posters, Speak Up, Speak yes. Now, and all of those, trying to really dispel or reduce the stigma mm -hmm. that people who have mental illness will speak up some more about it so mm -hmm. other people will see that it's not the person who is naked and digging out the garbage can right it's, right. it's your sister mm -hmm. it's your good friend that didn't want to tell you because she was afraid that if she told you you would not be her friend again mm -hmm. right mm -hmm. so those are the ways that we have to try to um to dispel this stigma because it really prevents people from seeking the help that they need. Mm -hmm. Well, um, if you're just tuning in, you have tuned into Healthy and Happy, a program sponsored by the East Jamaica Conference of Seventh-day Adventists, aired right here on NCUFM 91.1, 91.3, only on your FM dial. Amadise Jonas Murphy having a discussion with Dr. Judith Leibold-Thomas. Dr. Thomas serves as the Director for Child and Adolescent Mental Health at the Ministry of Health and Wellness. So, Doc, we have have, we have looked at depression and what it is. We have um, looked at the fact that it obviously seems to affect <laughs> women more than men. And, um, you know, we're looking at some of the, the myths as well surrounding uh, major depressive disorder. But question, though, uh, usually at what age does major depressive disorder begin? So, Adis, actually, most um, psychiatric illness, 70% of psychiatric illnesses actually begin by age 14. Mm -hmm. But guess what happens? Because of stigma and, num and a number of other issues, we don't usually diagnose it until age 24, 10 years later. Mm -hmm. If you're following, let's say, a group of boys and girls from childhood, pre-pubertal, mm -hmm. they will have roughly, just a very minimal level of depression in both of them, right? But once they hit puberty, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. the girls, the, the, the rate of depression in girls starts to rise wow. as opposed to the boys. Mm -hmm. And then, as I say, it, it, it might take some time for all everybody to get, to get um, diagnosed mm -hmm. because, again, of stigma and because people don't seek the help that they need. It first appears in mid-adolescence, but we may not actually know what we're dealing with until about early 20s. There's a thing called the neurobiology of depression, a very fancy phrase. Um, could you just kind of break it down uh, for us? What is this all about, the neurobiology of depression? Okay, so um, simply put, okay, the, the main, what we call neurochemical that we associate with depression is serotonin. Mm -hmm. Some people call it like the feel-good hormone. Right, happy hormones. Right, the happy hormone, right. And therefore, when we think, think about medication, a lot of our medication target the serotonin, where we try to increase the amount of serotonin, kind of bathing our neurons. Mm -hmm. right? 
-hmm. No. Apart from serotonin, there is another hormone uh, um, called noradrenaline. I think a lot of people know what adrenaline is. It's your kind of fight or flight hormone. Uh -huh. Where like if you heard a gunshot or some loud noise or something frightening, it gives you the energy to, to do what you need to do, to run or to go under the, um, you know, go under the table or whatever. Okay. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So we found that that hormone is also implicated. And what we have also found is that that hormone is also one of our stress hormones. Okay. Hmm. Mm -hmm. So that is the relationship sometimes that you get with um, having endured stressors or stress for a long time in that because you're producing some of these hormones that allow you to do fight or flight. What may happen is that your blood pressure goes up, mm -hmm. your heart rate goes up, <laughs> your blood sugar may go wow. up, mm. and then that will set you up for, um, for the manifestations. Mm -hmm. Right. We have limited time, but we have to delve into the symptoms, Doc. What does depression look like? Um, what are some of the physical manifestations, um, things that we probably should be observing, you know, or, or friends with or partners, you know, family members, people we work with? What are some things that we need to pay attention to? Common signs and symptoms of depression. You may feel sad or irritable most of the day, nearly every day for at least two weeks straight. Right. Mm -hmm. Some people may not actually look sad. <laughs> Some mm -hmm. people get irritable, you know, like they start um, snapping back at you. Sometimes children look more angry or they back chat you, mm -hmm. right? Or they get more aggressive. So it's not always sadness in that you get withdrawn and you get quiet. Sometimes they actually act out. Mm. That's one. You're more, you're less interested in the activities that you once enjoyed. So this, this person, well, there was a young man. He, used, he was involved in about like three extracurricular activities when he first hit high school. And by the time he got depressed, he, he stopped attending all extracurricular activities. Mm. You know, so those kind of things, you used to sing on the choir, mm -hmm. all of a sudden them can't get to you, making all kind of excuses, you're tired, you can't come to the choir. Mm -hmm. right? As I told you about the change in our, um, losing weight or gaining weight, right? Or trouble falling asleep or again, sleeping more than usual. Feeling unusually tired, you have a lack of energy. Boy, you get up in the morning at least, mm -hmm. and you just feel like, I mean, all of us feel this now and again. Right. This is persistent. You feel like it just roll over, <laughs> pull the sheet over your head, mm -hmm. and don't leave your bed for days and days. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and again, that's just the distinguishing you know, mark for days and days. Right, mm -hmm. right. And I tell you, sometimes this happens to like um, university students. Mm -hmm. So when they were at home, they maybe had mommy who would make sure that they wake up. Right. Right. Or notice that they're, boy, I'm still in, it's nine o'clock, you're still mm -hmm. in bed, get up, man. But they go to university and nobody, if you, if you want to lay in your bed for the whole day, mm -hmm. you're, you know, nobody's going to trouble you unless you have a caring roommate or a caring friend. So sometimes these um, students, when they go to, uh, well, I say when they go to college, it's when it really comes 
comes out because there's nobody who's really there to prod them. Mm-hmm, right? mm-hmm. But let's put this in the context of our children, what's happening with them. You mentioned something important, you know, uh, children back talking, acting out, you know, having angry behavior. Those could also be signs of depression. Uh, but what are some other things that we need to pay attention to? Signs, especially where our children are concerned, um, perhaps even infants. Um, you know, children not able to clearly express themselves, like probably the formative years. There are some people who don't believe that children that age can get depressed. What I'm going to really describe most is really a child who is under some amount of stress. Mm-hmm. And that usually it, the manifestation of these is sometimes they're more clinging. So a child who was, was kind of starting to, let's say, walk around and, you know, they're just starting to walk and they want to explore things. Mm-hmm. And um, we know it's a bit of a nuisance, but that's how they're going to learn. So this child no longer wants to do that. This child just wants to hang on to your skirt tail all the time. Sometimes children who have achieved milestones, like not wet in the bed or not pooing on themselves, mm-hmm. they start to regress. Sometimes we see an overabundance of like temper tantrums, mm-hmm. where they seem to be crying for no apparent reason. Or on the other hand, you're feeding them and they're not, they don't, they're not feeding as well as they used to. All of those things. So they can't talk and tell us mm-hmm. what is happening. But as I say, they, they may regress, what we call regression. A child who started to sleep in their bed by themselves, mm-hmm. all of a sudden now, they, every night they come in to, to crawl to sleep within, you know, in your bed. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All right. So all of those little things that show that they... Um, they want, they're clinging to you. They want protection. They're somewhat regressing. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Very important. So let's move to treatment, Dr. Thomas. How do we, how do you treat major depressive disorder? We have about nine criteria that, that emanates from the Bible. That's a psychiatric Bible, right? Yes. So there are nine criteria. If you get five, mm-hmm. we call you mild. Counseling and also trying to set up a program for you in terms of regular exercise, no, this is very hard, you know, Adis, because you don't have no energy, you don't want to do anything. <laughs> mm-hmm. So sometimes you have to get a friend or so to really help you. An accountability partner. Right, yes. right, right. To help you, um, you know, and start eating well and actually forcing yourself to do things. Mm-hmm that you would normally enjoy or just to get active. And then you have the counseling part. And sometimes the counseling part has a big word called cognitive behavioral therapy. Mm-hmm. And it's basically uh, the, the, the counselor trying to help you to see things in a different way. Mm. All right? To see things in a different way. So if you work with that program well, sometimes you, you, you will get out of depression um, after a while. Now, if your symptoms are like, let's say, seven and above, we're talking about moderate to severe depression. Mm-hmm. And usually, we have to introduce the concept of the use of medication. Right. Right. Some of our sisters and brothers don't like to hear this word. <laughs> and also, I want to emphasize, Adise, that the presence of major depression doesn't mean that your faith is weak. Yes, yes. I'm, I'm so you, happy you brought that up. Right. Or that you have not prayed enough. Or, or you know, we're often told, why don't you just snap out of it? Mm-hmm. 
or or even why don't you pray it away? Right, right, right. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people suffer like that because they they feel, you know, they, it's almost like it's your fault why you're feeling this way. Right. So they just keep quiet about it and they mask the symptoms. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So there is medication that I say if you're diagnosed as, with moderate and or severe depression. We have a whole range of antidepressant medications. I know some some folks, if, if one doesn't seem to help, you can always find one that really helps you. And I have to emphasize that the fact that you are in major depression usually means that the chemistry in your brain has been somewhat disrupted. Mm-hmm. And it took time for that to happen. It didn't happen in one day or two days. So you may not see an effect um, until maybe a month or six weeks after. Okay. So when, when your patient comes to you, you have to really kind of tell them they have to trust you. Mm-hmm. And, and you hold their hands for the first four to six weeks until right. they, they begin to see some improvement. And because it didn't occur overnight, we're talking about cells in the brain now. Um, getting back to the right chemistry. Mm-hmm. Usually you have to take the medication for about three to six months. Okay. In terms of treatment, uh, well, for major depressive disorder, it would be uh, medication, oral medication uh, primarily. Are there injections involved um, to adjust brain chemistry? Um, you had mentioned counseling as well, but would that be it? Yes, but um, okay, it's mainly oral. Uh-huh. America has something, um, a, a drug called ketamine, yes, which is used for people who seem to have just very, very depressed. Because mm-hmm. <laughs> I told you, there's a time span, right? So if you want somebody, try to get somebody out of depression and they're very depressed and they want to kill themselves and all mm-hmm. of that, um, they have this drug called ketamine. We don't have it in Jamaica very much. Um, a drug company is trying to bring it in I think that would be like a more intranasal spray. Mm, so that, okay. that, is the, that is the main thing that can really get you out of it. In the old days, well, it still happens now. I think people know about electroconvulsive therapy. Mm-hmm. We don't use that unless it's very severe. Mm-hmm. And there's also something called magnetic stimulation of the brain. Right. Right. Um, which can also help. Wow, Dr. Leibo Thomas, I'm going to have to ask you to come back another week. I mean, I, I, I've spoken about this topic before. We've you know, had programs on major depressive disorder, but I'm learning some new things through this conversation. And I'm sure that our listeners have benefited tremendously. So a couple of things. Um, if you notice that uh, persons around you, they are feeling sad or they're irritable most of the time, nearly every day perhaps, you know, um, or you've seen this kind of behavior over a two-week period or more. They're less interested in um, activities that once motivated them. Um, suddenly start to gain weight, you know, losing weight, have trouble falling asleep or um, probably just sleeping too much. You expressed uh, thoughts of harming themselves, you know, having difficulty concentrating, thinking, making decisions, feeling worthless, guilty, often, um, you know, thinking about things that you would not normally uh, do to harm yourself. These are some red flags and these individuals are in need of help. Doc, I'm going to ask you, there must be a helpline by the Ministry of Health and Wellness. So I wanted to just share that number uh, for those of our listeners who are tuned in at this point. If somebody is in need of help, where do they call? Who do they call? And can they get through ASAP and not be put on wait, 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 wait? 
we have what we call a mental health and suicide prevention helpline. And the, it's 188-NEW-LIFE, N-E-W-L-I-F-E, or 188-639-5433. Could um, you repeat it for us, please? Yes, 188-639-5433. Okay, wonderful. The, uh, sorry, the only limiting factor is that um, if somebody is already on the line, uh-huh. Um, they may have to wait, or, but the, the, the system registers a missed call, so we would call you back if we don't get through. Also, Adis, I need to tell you that um, another helpline has emerged for children and adolescents. Mm -hmm. um, it's 188-SAFE, S-A-F and then E-S-P-O. I, I don't have that at my fingertip, but you can look <laughs> on the phone. Yes. So children and adolescents can get through more easily on that line. All right. Because it's so, specifically for them. So that one is one triple eight S A F A F E S P O. It's really safe spot, but you right. know, it's eight. That's eight letters. Okay. And Addis, let me just say one more thing. Sure. A young lady in my um, office yesterday, she went to the gym at about two o'clock. And when she came back, she said, Dr. Leiber, and I felt so depressed before I went to the gym. I didn't want to go anywhere. She said, the minute I walked outside, mm -hmm. my mood started to lift. When mm -hmm. I went in the gym and started my exercise, it lifted even more. Mm -hmm. And I said, wow, that is such a great testament mm -hmm. to really what exercise can do yes. in terms of helping us to prevent depression, and also treat it. Mm -hmm. Thank you so much, Dr. Judith Leiber-Thomas. Dr. Judith Leiber-Thomas is the Director of Child and Adolescent Mental Health at the Ministry of Health and Wellness. We really appreciate your time, Doc, and uh, thanks so very much. Um, and so, you know, listeners, uh, there you heard it, uh, major depressive disorder. Is it something that you struggle with? If it's something that you struggle with, you may want to seek help. Of course, the Ministry of uh, Health and Wellness has a helpline that you can contact. I'm going to go again with the numbers quickly. That's one triple eight doc The first one, remind me of it, one triple eight six three nine five four three three six three nine five four three three five four three three. And of course, the helpline for children, one triple eight S A F E-S-P-O. -S P-O. Thank you very, very much. We hope you were uh, informed this week on Healthy and Happy. And, of course, we can't wait to bring you another episode next week. Same time. You may be in a different place. Some of you may be traveling next time you listen to this program. But we, we wish you God's continued blessings. And, of course, remember to keep healthy and happy. Until uh, next time. No, I can't go without thanking the production team. We want to thank our technical engineer, Brandon Daly, and, of course, the wider community team of the East Jamaica Conference for a wonderful work in putting this program together. Until next week, same time. Bless your heart, your kidneys, your... Do you have gallstones, Doc? <laughs> I think I should come off. <laughs> Until next week, God bless you. I'm Adise Jonas Murphy.
I wanna go. I wanna go.